The Sensemaker. Hi, I'm Claudia and this is Sensemaker from tortoisemedia.com. One story every day to make sense of the world. Today, David Cameron, the former Prime Minister, and a series of risky texts. But not the kind you might be thinking of. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Well, I am and sorry about some of the things that have happened, and I do feel regret for some of the decisions and choices that I made, but I... I don't regret... uh, David Cameron, leader of the Conservative Party for nearly 11 years, former Prime Minister, best known for calling the 2016 Brexit referendum. Taking a risk, having a punt, having a go, that pumps me up. But after the shock result, it all got too much and David Cameron swiftly left number 10 and moved on to other things. But it hasn't been plain sailing since he left office. I'm a man, I can't multitask, what do you expect? A book written perhaps from his controversial £25,000 garden hut was postponed. The pandemic has nixed the speaking gig circuit so many former politicos rely on. And now he's back in the headlines again, and not in a good way. Thanks to a leak to the press, it has been revealed that Cameron sent multiple text messages to the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak. What's the harm in that, you might ask? Well, it's what he was doing in those texts that's important. He was messaging Sunak to lobby the Treasury to grant a financial services company called Greensill Capital an important role in the government's response to the pandemic. Because while Covid has been terrible for many businesses, it's also created a moment of opportunity. Just look at all those guys who made millions selling PPE. To help businesses survive the lockdown, the government created a fund for big, well-known firms to borrow money at low rates. David Cameron was pitching over text to Rishi Sunak that Greensill Capital should be the one to distribute those loans on behalf of the Bank of England. The pitch was they could help save other companies and, of course, in doing so, profit themselves. In essence, David Cameron was asking the Treasury to go against their own rules and use public money to benefit a private firm. And why does that matter? It matters because, you might have already guessed it, Cameron is working for Greenshill Capital. He owns shares, so he would stand to benefit. Since the texts were leaks, it's caused a scandal. So the question is, how bad is it for David Cameron? Let's go back a bit. It is the story of a farmer who built a billion-dollar fintech. Lex Greensill witnessed his parents... Greensill Capital was founded in 2011 by an Australian sugar farmer turned billionaire banker called Lex Greensill. And it grew at breakneck speed. We started very small. Uh, we, uh, we connected uh, a handful of farmers in, uh, in country Australia uh, to, uh, to the capital markets. And we've taken it from there to a place where, where today 
today we, uh, we deliver capital to 2.3 million businesses in 165 countries. With Lex Greensill realised that the debts customers owed suppliers could be packaged up into investment funds. It was the same model used by bankers that prompted the 2008 crash, when big investment banks bundled debt into other investment products and sold them on many, many times over. And so, of course, Greensill's operations have raised suspicion and criticism, but it hasn't stopped them going from strength to strength. So how exactly does Cameron play into all of this? While he was in office, David Cameron was keen to bring private sector expertise into the Cabinet office. It just so happened that Jeremy Hayward, who was head of the civil service, knew Lex Greensill. They'd come across each other when they were both working in the city. And so the Australian entrepreneur entered the corridors of Whitehall and began to meet with civil servants and ministers. I know that George Osborne's making a statement in the next week or two where he's going to be talking about making sure... Lex began to mingle, and by 2014 he was recruited as one of six Crown representatives to help the government get better value for money, bringing him closer to David Cameron. Then Brexit happened. Cameron departs, and he's looking for new opportunities. Enter Lex Greensill. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. In 2017, Greensill was awarded a CBE for services to the economy, although for obvious reasons the Cabinet Office is now refusing to say whether David Cameron was the one who nominated him. What we do know is that Cameron had great admiration for Greensill, considering him one of Britain's many great fintech success stories. The pair clearly had a growing relationship, and by the summer of 2018, David Cameron jetted off to Sydney and was hired as an advisor to Greensill Capital. But not only was he an advisor, he had share options too, potentially worth millions. So, how does all of this come back to his texts lobbying Rishi Sunak? Well, it's clear that David Cameron had a strong interest in Greensill's share price improving, and he needed the Treasury's help. Rishi Sunak left most of the texts unanswered, passing the former Prime Minister on to other senior officials instead. But as the texts were sent to Rishi's personal phone... Questions are now swirling about whether Sunak himself knew of or approved of the leaks to the press. It would allow him to distance himself from all of it and leaves Cameron out in the cold. What's worse in all of this is that David Cameron's text lobbying may have gone against his own law, brought in in 2014. So that's why we need to shine a spotlight on who owns what and where money is really flowing. It's a public register to create transparency around which businesses and individuals were lobbying ministers. Now, of course, we in government will use this data to pursue those who break the rules, and we're going to do that relentlessly. David Cameron may have just royally shot himself in the foot, because those texts really haven't gone unnoticed. To his critics, he's now the former prime minister who bolted in a moment of Brexit turmoil and is now trying to profit from a pandemic. It's not a good look. So far, David Cameron has refused to comment. And although Labour MPs called for a parliamentary inquiry, this was blocked by the Tories. But it has been announced that he will be formally investigated over a possible breach of lobbying rules. 
Still, David Cameron will be hoping that this just dies down, fades away, becomes just another bump in the road since that day in 2016 when he whistled his way out of office. Right. Thanks for listening to The Sensemaker. It's made by me and my colleagues Nimmo, Imi, Zav and Ella at Tortoise Media. We're trying to build a different kind of newsroom at Tortoise, one that's slow and open, built with and for our members. I'd really love for you to join us. It's super easy to do. A membership starts from just £1 a week. Go to tortoisemedia.com forward slash friend and use my personal code, Claudia50, and you'll get 50% off. Today's story was written and produced by Amy Harper. The Sensemaker. I'm James Harding. I'm the editor of Tortoise and the host of The News Meeting. It's the podcast where we try and make sense of what should be leading the news with three people who each come and pitch the story that they think matters the most. On the latest episode, we're joined by the journalist, historian and author Satnam Sanghera. Like almost everyone, we go down the rabbit hole of that Princess of Wales photo editing story and then Satnam explains why he thinks the Church of England paying reparations for its links to slavery should really be leading the news. Just search for Tortoise News wherever you get your podcasts and follow the feed so you don't miss an episode.